gentlemen. What's good, y'all? Chris Gary, Sanju Benjamin, and you tuned in to yet another edition of the We Are Rising podcast. Your show for all things rising and JMMA, or we just simply shoot the shit just for the hell of it. Follow us, respectively, on Twitter. The show handle is at We Are Rising Pod. I'm on Twitter at ChrisGary92. Andrew is on Twitter at Avenger1. And again, we have another repeat guest that is sure to get you all hyped up. He's teeth to the junk, and he wants to talk more about the upcoming Bellator MMA card. Bellator 2.1 taking place from an Omega Sun Arena. This Saturday night, as of the time of the no, this Friday night, as of the time of this recording, August twenty-first. Teep, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, guys. Hope you're having a great day. Wait, wait, wait. So we're not talking about Full Metal Dojo's uh, show this Saturday with uh, with Camp Soda. <laughs> well, just too- I only wish. <laughs> but uh, oh, shout out to Ant. Shout out to Anthony W. What's up, man? We'll get to your question. So, but yes, uh, no, we're here to talk Bellator 244. Uh, so I guess the first question, you know, we got to talk about the main event. Ryan Bader, light heavyweight and heavyweight champion, taking on Vadim Nevkov, our former rising buddy. Um, so I guess I'll start off with the first question from uh, Anthony W. Uh, Teep, is this Nevkov's toughest fight to date? Or biggest test to date, I'll say, uh, in terms of MMA. Yeah, it's, I'd say definitely, although the Phil Davis fight was almost its equal, because stylistically they're similar, but Bader's just a little bit better. So it's it's not by far the most, but this is. Bader's absolutely peaking, and he has, like, the knockout power. And Davis is, has knockout power, but he's not really known for it. It's, Bader's, like to mess people up. So, uh, yeah, this is definitely his toughest fight. But uh, what do you guys think? Christian, what do you um, think? Oh, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. I mean, you you know what? You can go ahead and talk, Andrew. I think I might need a few more minutes to think about this fight. Uh, is this his toughest fight? I think, I don't know if it's his toughest fight. Uh, it should be known that, you know, he has lost twice uh, to Carl Albrechtson and, of course, to Jude Prochaska. Um, I think that, that in terms of, I think it's going to be his biggest in terms of what, uh, of, of what he earns. Clearly, Bellator chip, uh, I, so, uh, he was in the Ryzen, uh, heavyweight tournament, uh, when, uh, Ryzen first started. Um, wait, was he in, the, was he in the tournament? Um... Um, yeah, he was in the heavyweight tournament. Oh, right? so, uh, okay. Uh, yeah, so but he's now a light heavyweight taking on Ryan Bader, who I would like to say is maybe the most underrated fighter, uh, underrated champion right now. He has, I remember when the rankings were coming out last year for, like, for, for fight of the year, and he didn't even make the top ten. I just kind of thought that was a little bit absurd, considering he became a two-division champion, Mitrion Fedor uh, was on his way to defeating Czech Congo, but uh, balls and um, or was it was it Ipoke? Was it Ipoke? I don't remember. He, he was it Ipoke or or 
Uh, yeah. yeah, he claimed an eye poke, but it looked like it was more like a punch in the nose. Uh, but okay. it's hard to say. I mean, it, it could have been an eye poke, but just not the part of the action we thought. But it looked like he got punched in the nose, and he was like, oh, my eye. Um, Maybe he felt the pressure from the punch. I don't want to talk shit about a, you know, a successful but, in terms of them, but yeah, it did seem like a bit sideways. I definitely think that Nemkov, uh, Bader, is going to be one of his toughest opponents. And it's, this is certainly his biggest fight to date, especially in his young career. How old is he? He's got, he's got to be in his 20s, I think. He's like 23, 24? No, he's, he's older than that. I think he's 29. I'll look it up. Bader's I know his brother's older. I know Victor is much older than, than him. Um, I get the two... 28. I was wrong. He's 28 years old. Oh, okay. But, uh, yeah, you know, he definitely earned, in terms of earning the title shot, he certainly earned it. He went at Amazing Wayne Streak and Ryzen, uh, excuse me, uh, Bellator, where uh, he finished uh, three of his four opponents. You know, Phil Davis is always going to be a hard guy to finish. And even, in, you can always, Phil Davis, even when he, he, he the, the, his losses sometimes seem like, oh, he should have won, but nonetheless, in terms of, of, of official records, he did defeat Phil Davis. So, yeah, you know, he, he came in with a lot of hype into Bellator, you know, being a Fedor guy. Yeah, this is definitely going to be his biggest fight to date. Internally, uh, uh, one of his toughest. How about you, Christian? I think that when it comes down to Vadim Nemkov, I mean, you have to remember, his older brother is a former champion at M1 Global, and he just wants a title for himself, but he's going to have a tough test trying to deal with Ryan Bader because even though... He hasn't really had the best of results in his last five fights. I mean, if there's a boring, I mean, whether there's a boring, unpredictable win, I mean, whether there's a boring, predictable win, there's always, ah, if it's not a boring, predictable win, that's what I'm trying to say, there's always got to be something happen that the fight is inconclusive, like a low blow and a high punch. Mm-hmm. But still... You can't deny the fact that Ryan Bader's been on a tear. He beat Fedor. Just imagine what the hell he's going to do with... I mean, just imagine what he's going to do against them cops. what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Teep, uh, what, uh, what do you think? So, I think on this fight, I mean, I love stylistic clash. And it's also Fedor's handpicked protege like they're all his protege in my mind but he actually invited personally invited Nemkov I think it was 2015 at the Russian amateur MMA event some event and invited him to join the team so he's like five years deep studying around the greatest of all time so you know he's you know they have coaches coach Varnov and the, the I forget the boxing coach's name but they you know so they have coaches but it's also you're training around Fader you get hints and tricks from Fader as it's heavy and uh, he's, he's just hit his prime. I'd say right now, like in the Davis fight, he proved he could fight with an absolutely world-class light heavyweight who was his own size, who had a well-rounded skill set, and he could win even though it was close. But Bader's like even more of a threat now. So, you know, Bader's in his mid-30s, but he's actually peaking right now. His skill set, he's the most potent right now. It's not always the case by the time guy, the guy gets to his age. But Bader is on fire. I mean, he was making Congo look like a silly kid. And 
you know, Congo's been successful, and he's a big dude. He's like, even Minikov, it's just hard to have an impact on Congo lately. And uh, Vader was just wobbling him with his, his lead hand. It was crazy. You know, but we'd already seen him spark King Mo and Fedor with that, with that left. Can I also just say, I'm really sick of seeing that, that highlight of Vader knocking out Fedor. It's, <laughs> this must be how people feel when their favorite fighter back in the day got highlighted by Fedor and everything. All the time. Oh my goodness. Or so. like when people I mean like when people were forced to watch tension getting knocked out over and over on a roof mm-hmm. by Floyd Mayweather. Oh <laughs> right that was worse. That was more, yeah. Well don't worry, yeah. Chief. There's a there, there's a sec a section of MMA fans who don't even don't even uh consider uh Bader's win over Fedor to be official. Because, Why is that? Because, because MMA fans are weird like that. It's like, oh, that because didn't have, actually because happen. Because Fedor's old, you mean? Sorry, what was that? Because Fedor's old. Oh, no, because they're, 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 they're major fans of Fedor, and they still, they still can't comprehend that, that someone like Ryan Bader beat him in a match. Yeah, I think it just comes from layers of, of cognitive dissonance, but it's built up over time, so you know, people, if you're building on a shaky foundation, by the time you get to the upper floors, you're way off. Tower piece of shit. Because, um, you know, Bader was the top contender. When DC won the belt, Bader and him got into a little thing at the presser. I want Bader the easiest fight in the world. I want I want Ryan Bader. I'll never I'll never forget when DC say that. <laughs> I love that. I mean, I'm a big DC fan. I was like, oh shit, DC's spitting some fire on the mic. This is perfect. Then they didn't book the fight because, you know, they had in mind. Gus Jones, DC dynamic. They didn't really care who was the top contender. And that's partly why I focus mostly on Bellator, because it makes more sense. Like, I didn't have to, I didn't, you know, you kind of like, it kind of makes sporting sense. It's not exact, but it's close enough. It's not a constant stream of frustrations, which was my experience being a UFC fan. I was just always pissed because the wrong person gets the thing. You know it's because of money. Uh And then it's like, and then after so after so many years of that with other options in the market like you know Strike Force Reborn and Kofi takes over Bellator, I'm, I'm all about that. It makes a little more sense. It's less frustrating. Well, so like it, Nemkov, it is. You know the fight fell apart. They could have easily booked someone with a bigger name than Nemkov. They could have given Anderson because of his UFC run. They could have you know fiddled around with it and turned that into a title fight just for more TV views uh, in the moment. The thing is, the thing is. Corey Anderson just signed with Bellator, so they're not gonna like. I mean, yeah, I can understand they gave Phil Davis a title shot out the gate. They're not gonna do the same thing for Corey Anderson. No, no, not not especially not when the top contenders on Fedor team keep Fedor happy. They, you know, part of keeping Fedor happy is keep the team getting opportunities because he's. That's part of why he came back. That's part of why he's still in the sport so, uh, to get his team opportunities. So this this Nemkov title shot is a major victory for Fedor, whether or not his student wins or loses. Well, uh, T, my question for you is: what is, what are Nemkov's chances against Fedor? What are the what is the best strategy you if you're if you're Fedor and you're wearing your your pretty little sweater? What you, what is the strategy that you're giving to Nemkov to beat somebody like Vader? So the main thing, Vader has a lot of different skills, but the main thing to look out for him is that that lead, that kind of lunging lead hook and the penetrating step that, that comes with it can also 
turn into like last double. So you got those are the two main factors. But it's also Bader's good with the crisp one too. He throws a really great, hard, crisp, hands up, proper technique one too. And so for Nemkov, he always circles and faints, but he's gonna need to, and he always mixes up like laser, like straight rights with those looping rights. So like I think I think it was the Felipe Lins fight. He was throwing straight rights, but he actually knocked him out with kind of like a lunging, looping right. He just mixed it in there beautifully. And, he, and the guy, so Linz was aiming for a certain angle to, to optim, optimize his defense, and then he got, he, he just caught it flush right in the grill because he wasn't expecting that. It adds a new wrinkle. So I think with, with Nemkov, it's just mix it up. And if he's going to kick, he's going to have to circle out of that mess. He can't kick and then, and then be there at all. It's Bader will catch and take him down or even try and catch and counter. But Nemkov has this, a lot of the same skills. So I think they're going to end up kickboxing, and I think Nemkov it would be a slight favorite. Well, what about on the ground? Do you think that Ryan Bader uh, will try to take it to the ground? Because that's what he did in the Mitrion fight. Uh, Mitrion's known for his, I guess, lack of uh, takedown defense. Obviously, Nemkov, I'm going to guess, is much more... Uh, astute when it comes to takedown defense, given his uh, sambo uh, background, do you think that? Do you think that all, that they're all? That, yeah, you think it will be mostly stand up this entire fight? I think it might have to be, but I do expect Bader and maybe also Nenkov to 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 test the, the wrestling capability because Bader will have seen the end of the Phil Davis Nemkov fight and and seen some things. They're like, oh, once he got deep, you could wrestle with him. So, but I, I think, you know, I, I think it'll, it'll start on the feet, but Bader will try to blast him to the cage and see what's up. But he, he should be careful because, you know, Nemkov with that Sambo experience, that world champion level combat Sambo, you know, acumen, he's, he's a threat. He's not, he's not, uh, he's not someone you're just going to like fiddle with on the ground. Like Lyndon Vassell's is capable and Bader made him look easy. Once he got down there and got the wrist right, he just put him away. And it took him down. I think it was a, like a, like a suplex or whatever you would call like a diagonal suplex thing. But he, uh, but Nemkov's are like a much more difficult. It's more like a Phil Davis fight where they might end up on the feet because neither guy can hold the other down. And I'm thinking that the Moldavsky fight, Bader teams bound to Moldavsky, the heavyweight protege, his fight with Roy Nelson might look the same way, although it'd be less competitive. I do expect him to outstrike Nelson, but. You can't really hold Roy Nelson down very easily. Mm-hmm. Matt, Matt Mitrion, on the scale of things, not not compared to some schmuck, but on the scale of things, he's easier to hold down. So Bader did exactly. I saw that live. Half the crowd left. It was that one-sided. The third oh. round was about halfway over, and everyone started filing out. They knew. They were like, you're not getting up. That's that's when you know you've been schooled, is you're the main event, and like people start leaving. They're just, they know what's going to happen. Like, I... I can get out the parking lot if you leave right now. You know? At Mohegan Sun, at least, you know, instead of waiting 45 minutes to, to make my way out, I can just, we can just bounce. But anyway, I'm rambling, but, uh... Well, uh, yes, do you... This will be on the feet a lot, I do believe. I don't think, I don't think Bader, as good as he is, I don't think he can hold Moldavsky down. I mean, Moldavsky, Nemkov down, and I don't think Nemkov can hold Bader down. I think they're going to end up striking, and I do think... Nemkov's kicks might be the difference in the fight. If he can throw low, especially like calf kicks, which he's 
well capable of, and not get taken down or countered, he has the advantage in the fight. You think he'll go all five rounds? You know, it's hard to say. As I try and picture the fight playing out, I almost feel like Nemkov might finish it in the, in the late fourth, like before the fight's over, but deep into the fight. But I'm wrong so much. I don't think that's I can trust myself there. I, I think it might end up a decision. But uh, I lean slightly toward Nemkov stylistically, and my heart's 100%. Go fuck him up. He took out Fedor. Go fuck him up. <laughs> if Nemkov does win, uh, would... would uh... Would you then do an immediate or, or a rematch? Would that be his, uh, a rematch with Bader as as his first Hell defense? No. Okay. No, 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 no. They now Bellator. They have on occasion tried to give someone title shots coming off a loss. I think they tried to put Chandler Primus back together right away, but usually. But, it's yeah, like, but I like to say in defense that that, that one was that was an odd duck because of the way that it finished. It was kind of. It, it, Brent Primus didn't really finish Chandler as much as the New York State Athletic Commission uh, had more to do with that. And you just saw the rematch, just like, yeah, that that, prop, that Primus was just, just getting demolished by by Chandler. So I think I think it's fair to say he that... He did lose a clear fight, but he gave him, you know, Chandler gave him his props. But that first fight, that's a, for me, that's, a, that's just like Chris Weidman using the shin check and breaking Anderson Silva's shit. Or Bendo, Bendo's elbow or something, Patricio Pitbull kicked at him and hurt himself and had to stop. I mean, it's a legit win because if, whether it comes from offense or defense, if, you're, if it's proper form and it's intentional, because, like, Primus was trying to kick the shit out of his leg. He was a soccer player before he took up grappling in MMA, so he has a real kick. No. Chandler lunges with his jab, and he was in, he was in a fucking horse stance got kicked in the leg and that's why and that's when you see him start to reach out even before his ankle went floppy you, you can see you see people sparring when someone's leg gets hurt they, they kind of, the hand kind of goes down they're like oh what's going on it's like an instinct thing and he did it briefly he got hurt with a legit kick it's just that he was out of position when he got kicked so i count that as a legit win but i, I saw the i understood the controversy but that's people who've probably never been kicked really hard in the leg when you get a dead leg it's fucked up I've never had a, like that numb thing, but I've had my legs start to cramp. It's a scary feeling. You know, Chandler switched stances. He knew he was, he knew something was wrong. You know, because it's 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 no joke getting kicked, especially if you're in a in a really wide stance. That's what you never want. Ideally, you want your leg to fly up. Like remember the Manhoff Robbie Lawler fight? Mm-hmm. Oh yes, where uh, Manhoff was just was just was just sending these missile-like kicks to a uh, Lawler, and Lawler's. Leg kept on going up with every right. kick. So you see Lawler's leg going up like that. That is actually when you're getting kicked that hard. He's taking a lot of sting off of those kicks by doing that, which is why he didn't just get absolutely injured, like ruined knee. You know, because that nerve inside, there's no, there's no meat on top of that nerve on the inside leg. People don't like to kick there as much because it's easier to hurt your foot on a knee or something, and the, the opponent can like turn the, the leg, you know, the knee down and inward, and then you'll kick them straight in the knee instead of your shin to their little soft nerve there. You kick your foot on their kneecap, and, and you get injured. So mm-hmm. it's not as popular to kick inside the legs, but there's no protection there. There's no protection there. So, um, you know, it's a great it's a great place to aim for people. Uh, so well, who, yeah. if, if Nemkov does win, 
who would be the ideal opponent uh, to defend the title against his first defense? So Davis is fighting Machida. I think that's what they'll do. And with the Davis fight being close with Nemkov, because it was pretty close. The end of the fight, you know, it had swayed, but they ran out. There was no time. But Davis won that last round. I'm pretty sure, unless I was really that drunk. I don't drink anymore, but unless I was really that drunk, definitely won that last one. But, uh, yeah, I would say you do, like, Davis, Machida, because they'd, they'd love to have something like Nemkov beat a big name and then fight Machida. And then the Davis rematch, I mean, Davis was a champ. He's got the pedigree. He's only lost to Bader and Nemkov in his last like, 12 fights, I think. So he's, you know, he's in, I think that's what they'll do. And then I'm hoping they have Corey Anderson fight King Carl. What do you guys think about that one? Oh, yeah, I think that would be a fun way for Corey Anderson to debut. Well, here's the Get people talking. Mm. Well, uh, King Carl, um, I was hoping that they would do him versus Nemkov since uh, the fight they did have in Ryzen was pretty close and it'd be a good a good uh, match, that, a good rematch, you know, because it happened a few years ago and all that stuff. Um, but instead, I don't know why. I think that would have been uh, the match I would like to see. I, if King Carl, I mean, I don't know. Mm, I think what we saw with with him versus Phil Davis, I think, I, I if Phil Davis can do that to you, uh, can finish you that bad, I, I don't know if his, if his, uh, his, I don't know if he has a good chance against Corey Anderson, to tell you the truth, and, and here's the thing, I'm not the biggest Corey Anderson fan, but I think, I think that's, I, I, I think it'll be like, it'll be like the Kichi Kunimoto thing, Shrasha Kichi, where it just seems like, He's gonna be he's gonna be losing all these big fights in uh, Bellator, uh, despite despite having uh, being a good fighter, I think. Um, it's also you know is it possible that Albertson with his style is better suited to rising rules in the ring? It's entirely possible. Yeah, I think that's entirely po- uh, that's really really a, a factor. He was fighting Ryzen for so long. Now he's He's back, you know, in the uh, in the tiny cage. He's back to uh, uh, no sock kicks, no knees on the ground. I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if, if just the new environment. Uh, he didn't become acclimated to it, um, and the new rule, and just yeah, new rules overall. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised about that. Yeah, maybe he needs. I don't know where he trains, but um, sometimes it's the training environment. Who you're training with? Like if you're training with some world class wrestlers or world-class MMA wrestlers even better. I mean, you quickly learn to you're in the sink or swim in the gym and the training room in those, in those, in those sessions. And, you know, cause even if they're just punching you lightly, you know, cause you're just tapping because it's more positional wrestling and then some tapping and stuff, you know, you don't just let it happen. You have to improve. If you're going to stay there, you have to improve. You see that on any level. Now I have a question about From amateur all the way up. But Bader, he beat Nemkov. Now yeah, uh, do uh, now I think I think that's I'll be honest, you know that's kind of made the worst case scenario for Bellator because then if Phil Davis wins, they've already fought a million times, and I'll be honest, their fights basically suck. Their fights are basically stalemates, wrestling stalemates. Uh, and then Mishita, uh, they have Mishita. Wait, has Mishita fought Bader at any point? Yeah, 
I don't know. I'm trying to recall. I feel like that may have been like like a fight, a UFC fight night thing. I guess ideally, if Bader wins, I'm hope. I guess Bellator would hope that Machida would win, because if they haven't fought, well, if they have fought, it probably hasn't been in a long time. So that's a, uh, that's you could. Oh, do- they fought. They fought. The tables are turned because now Machida's old, you know. So yeah, he knocked him out. I think it was like a, a I don't think it was a minute, but it was like like a minute and change. Oh, okay. Um. Do you see him at all giving Corey Anderson a potentially a uh, a uh, 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 uh... Now, wait a minute. First of all, are you talking about how Bader and Machida fought before? Yes. Yeah, it was, it was a long time. It was eight years ago. Yeah. Okay. Eight years ago, August 4, 2012, Leona Machida knocked out Ryan Dark Bader on the Fort Fox show via punches, one, I mean, in 92 seconds of round number two. Okay, okay, good. So, I guess if Bader wins, that's what the hope is that Machida wins, because then you can at least do that match which since it hasn't happened in eight years. I mean, I don't think anybody is, is clamoring for Phil Davis and Bader for the uh, millionth time. Huh. Exactly. Yeah, it's true, and, you know, they, I'm sure in their minds they'd rather with, like, Bader and Machida together, especially because Machida's got that highlight over Chael. And, you know, they're in the ratings business. That's that's good. But, they, you know, they... So, yeah, so Davis and Machida's happen. And, uh, but I, I think the winner of that is just worthy of the title shot, even if it means Bader-Davis 3. If you look at the division, right, and it's clear as day who the top guy is, because Davis, it's not like he's coming off the loss to Nemkov. He's won since. Like, he has his own momentum, his own legitimate momentum. And if he beats Machida, he's the guy. But maybe what you do is you have the winner of King Carl and Albertson. Like, maybe you can, like, they can add a wrinkle in by trying to get Bader to go back to heavyweight. Maybe fight, uh, maybe do Congo Minikov too. And then have Bader fight the winner of that. And then while you're doing that, you can have another fight contendership. So it's not just automatically the Bill Davis. Well, I have a problem with uh, with Albert being put in there because he did he did lose the fight to Davis and was pretty much dominated. So I don't know if 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 Albertson should be should be even considered in, in that in just like that space. Yeah. Anderson and then beat someone else who would either was Phil Davis or had beaten Phil Davis. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In that case, yeah, yeah. Like Machida, like if, if King Carl beat Corey Anderson and then Machida, who had just beaten Davis, say that's how that works out. Now you're talking like it's a thin division. It's top heavy. There's some excellent world class elite fighters, but they don't have thirty. You know, like it's not like it's not like light, um, you know, like their their welterweight and featherweight divisions are deep. Mm-hmm. I've been ranking the top ten. It's hard because I'm like. Damn, some badass dudes not even in the top ten in the in this one company, just in the within the org. But it's not like that at light heavyweight. Well, here's the uh, you know I, if I'm Corey Anderson and Bellator offers me the Albertson fight, I'll be honest, I turn it down. I tell them I want the winner of of Davis and Machida as my first fight. I, oh, I just wait it out. Hey, that's a that's not a bad idea. Because but, listen, the risk reward. Listen, yeah, the risk is. Uh, you fight a guy who's coming off a loss. So, again, I, I never like pairing winners with losers because the winners have really nothing to gain except just, you know, a little extra win on the record. Uh, it, and uh, if he loses, 
you know, basically he comes in with all this momentum, uh, you know, th- with this hype. Because uh, I think then he 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 won his last UFC fight, I think, right? He 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 left the UFC on a on a win, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. So uh, I thought he le- I thought he left on a loss. I thought he was winning and then he lost and left. Like I could be wrong. I've been up since four four fifteen a.m. So my brain is not working right now. My bad. Yeah. No. He actually he uh he did uh beat uh he was beaten by uh Jan Bakowitz. Bakowitz. Right. So he had momentum. He had momentum. But and then he just had one loss that snapped his momentum. So if he wins a big, a really big fight or a couple of like decently tough fights, he could be in a conversation in a division where there's only a handful of guys who are in that discussion. You know, because it's not like, you know, because there are guys who are good fighters like McGarry, but he's not in that discussion. If you're talking about who's the contender, it's not guys who've won, lost most of their recent fights. You know, so it's only a few guys. So Anderson. Part of the opportunity equation for him is he's coming into a division where he can very quickly be a contender, a legitimate contender, without skipping anyone. Because mm, mm. he's ahead of he's ahead of most of the other guys coming off a loss, coming off a loss himself. Like, would you rank Anderson higher or lower than Albrechtson? Uh I would as of now I would say he's at I would put him higher as Albrechtson. I, 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 would, I would myself, and I'm a big Albrechtson fan. I love that dude. I love the way he fights. He's about it. But yeah, I mean, you can. So already he's, you know. So I mean, it's like he's not that far from the top, especially once Bader and Nemkov fight. Like that's the obvious title fight. But now you're talking about Davis, Machida, Anderson. If he wins, you know, it's not it's not a deep division. Heavyweights looking tasty, and a lot of the prospects are coming up. And there are some light heavyweight prospects that in a year or two are going to be amazing. Christian Edwards trains out of Jackson's. He's like one of the most illest light heavyweight prospects in the sport. But I think he only has maybe three fights, three wins. But uh, he's a he's a guy to watch, but not for maybe you know maybe a year from now they keep him busy. Hmm. Actually, uh, t- so, talking about the the main, uh, heavyweights, what can you tell us about Valentin Moldovsky versus Roy Nelson, Keith? All right, so. Moldavsky can strike, and he moves quick for a big guy, and uh, he, he has power, and he has he has pretty good st- stamina relative to his size because he is a big dude. He's he's not like he's not like some of the heavyweights where you'd be like, man, I could almost see you making middleweight or super middleweight if you. you he's like he's a big thick lad, and uh, he he's he's more on the grappling end of the fatal team combat sambo spectrum. It's like Javi Ayala, he just, you know, he was just like, we're going down and you're staying down. And I'll do what I can while you're down there. He, he's, he's able to, I think, seems, if I'm remembering, he's pretty quick to slap an arm triangle on somebody. And he's just good, a good wrestler slash Sambo guy who can stand up and strike. So I think we're going to see him kickbox Nelson, but he might try and take him down. I don't know if he's going to hold him down. If he can hold Nelson down, it's a bad night for Nelson because he has heavy hands. He has those Fedor team heavy hands on the ground. You know, it's funny. So but, uh, just, Nelson's got so much experience. I looked I up Moldovsky's record. He's 9-1. His one loss yeah. was against a guy who was a better wrestler than him, Amir Aliakbari in Ryzen. Right. Multiple-time world champ, Greco-Roman, and just signed to one championship. That's a great signing. 
His only pro loss is to Ali Bari's only loss to Krokop in the finals. Yep. In 2016. <laughs> getting yeah. knocked out by Krokop in the ring. Yeah, there's no shame in getting knocked out at any age, Mirko Krokop, in the ring because he's one of the greatest ring fighters in the history of martial arts. You can't. So, you know, well, you got King Mo too, especially under those rules where they stood them back up. Yeah. You know, King Mo had him down and they were like, no, you don't get to do that. You don't get to do this. You're not posturing. Get up. He got kicked in the guts. And then, you know, I think it was the next round. Yeah, he got, he got so, knocked out with triple left hooks. But here's the thing about Roy Nelson. He always can knock you out of one punch. Yeah. So, can that happen to Moldovsky? Or do you think, or is Nelson, Nelson, I mean, it's fair to say that Nelson is a lot slower now. He was never really that fast, but he was so precise. But I definitely think he's a lot more, he, he's definitely not the same precision guy that he, uh, when it comes to stand-up, as he was years ago. Do you think that that Moldovsky has a chance to be knocked out by Nelson? There is always a chance to get knocked out by Roy Nelson, but I don't see it as particularly like, likely because Nelson, he's, um, you know, like overhand uppercuts, maybe hooks, but he's not a, a, a range knockout artist. He's if you get too close and I, I clip you, yeah, you're going down because my center of gravity is underground practically. But Moldovsky throws is capable of throwing long straight strikes and he's a he's just a he's just a bigger frame so i don't think we'll see that happen but you never know roy's roy's tricky and he his his body of elite experience win or lose he's been in there with so many of the best ever at that weight you know Moldavsky's going to really have to bring his a game if he wants to if he wants to do anything other than win or lose like a close decision but nelson's different nowadays because his pacing is different probably because his stamina is different as he's gotten older so there's more time to think against Nelson than he used to give people and that makes a big difference when you talk about knockout power mm. Fedor is still fast but that's why he's still really really hard to fight unless you're Ryan Bader because I mean Mitrion beat him but they knocked each other down it's not like Mitrion got out on skates he, got his, he was on his own butt but uh you know so Fedor kept his speed that makes a big difference Nelson kept his chin, but he lost some of his speed and stamina. So I, I don't think he's going to win the fight. But uh, I wouldn't. I would never write him off. Actually, uh, so um, I didn't ask you directly, Christian. Uh, who do you think will win with Bader and Nemkov? Give a choice in that fight. I mean, considering from what y'all were, from what y'all have been talking about, I think I'm going to go with Ryan Bader, mostly because. I mean, it's going to be hard for Valentin Moldavsky. No, actually, it's going to be hard for Nemkov to try and outwit Ryan Bader. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, I definitely... Well, I'm on Team Bader as well. I'm on Team Bader as well. Nah, unfortunately, unfortunately, Atif, you were the only one who was on, who was on Team Nemkov for this... Uh, yeah, but... I'm trying to say, Andrew, yep. is that it's going to be hard for Ryan Bader to... It's going to be hard for Nemkov to try and combat his Sambo with Bader's wrestling. You know what I mean? Even though it's going to be easier for them to strike against one another, it's going to be hard for Valentin, 
know, it's going to be hard for Vadim to try and deal with Bader's wrestling. Yeah. I'll say this about Bader. When he fights smart, he always wins. When he fights dumb, he gets knocked out or choked out. And we have I haven't seen him fight dumb in a long time. Uh, and when I say fight dumb, like like when he, when he try when you try to like when he was uh, when he tries to like grapple with Tito Ortiz and then somehow gets caught in a in a guillotine choke or uh, uh, tries to uh, to uh, engage uh, engage a stand up with Gover Teixeira. That's the type. That's when he fights dumb. When he tries. When he tries, when he fights, how Ryan Bader fights, he can he wins about nine out of ten times, and I I definitely feel that he's he's gonna fight very smart in this fight against uh against the younger guy. Uh, I think he's I think he's going to he's not, he's not gonna let Nemkov at all get any in and anywhere. It, it, I think he's gonna I think I think the takedown thing. I think he's gonna easily defend anytime uh. Bader, uh, oh, sorry, excuse me, Nemkov tried to take him down, I think. What, uh, um, but... That's a, that's, I think that's not unreasonable to think. I mean, Bader, you know, he doesn't get any credit, but, you know, because people have, like, emotional investments in, in certain things, you know, they're like, especially the people who kind of, like, hate on Fedor, so even though he's old now, but they'll look at, like, DC losing it, I, I think Cormier's, like, 41, and they'll be like, Stipe is the goat, he beat DC. And it's like, yeah, but he beat 41-year-old DC. That's like, I think the second time Fedor beat Mark Coleman. Wasn't Coleman like 42? I don't remember, but he wasn't young. And I'm not saying that Coleman was as good then as, as DC is now at 41. DC is a very special athlete. But no one was like, you beat 20-year-old Mark Coleman or 25-year-old Mark Coleman. You beat that same, you know, you beat that same elite athlete when you beat them when they're older. So, like, you know, people talk down Bader's win over Fedor, but Fedor's still dangerous as shit. Mm. If you fuck up, you're gone because he's still fast. He's still got the fastest hands in the division, I would say. Do you think that's fair to say, guys? No, not, not uh, unreasonable, yeah. He doesn't have the best chin in the division. He used to have the best recovery in the division. That's probably gone too. I mean, it's certainly not where it was. Oh. We used to have that amazing recovery. Yeah. So when you did catch him with something ugly, you slam him on his head, you catch him with a full, a full force punch like Vegeta did, the Vegeta punch. Such a hard punch, it has it took the name of its owner. Say the Vegeta punch, you'd be like, yeah, you couldn't kill Prime Fable. Couldn't kill him. Now you can, but, but he still has that speed. So I think that, you know, Vader gets, should get a lot of credit for landing that on Fedor, that's not an easy thing to do. Mm. Going back, you don't just getting going back to the uh, big country Moldovsky fight. What have you been thinking about uh, big countries uh, Bellator? I'll say uh, Bellator time because he he is now I think he's on a four or three fight losing streak, and he has not looked good in most of his Bellator fights. <laughs> of course he doesn't because. When it comes down to fighting in Bellator, it's not like fighting in the UFC or in the IFL. He's basically getting his ass handed to him. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, I mean, he's he's fighting past his prime. So even though he's still dangerous, if you're gonna if you're gonna fight past your prime and you're still gonna fight legit, 
competition, some of whom are younger than you, you're going to be at a natural disadvantage just as if someone fights people that are bigger than them all the time. You know, like Frankie Edgar, what a legend, right? But do you see Frankie Edgar today at his age going up and becoming a lightweight champ? Giving up the size? Even if he's the same size as he was back in the day, do you see? You know what I mean? Like, if as you get older, fighting bigger guys than yourself, that natural disadvantage amplifies immensely. It's happened to Fedor, too. Exactly. Like, if Mitrione, if Mitrione was Fedor size, like Fedor's dimensions and stuff, and they had that fight, with both of them being older, you know, but, like, Mitrione's a big athletic guy, so he had a fast recovery and sprang up. Didn't look his age. It was a great, it was his best performance, I would say, of his career. Knocked out the great one. How do you, you think this fight goes, uh, Moldovsky and Big Country? You, you think that Moldovsky's just going to take him down and hold Nelson down for three rounds? I think it depends how well Nelson counters Moldovsky's punches and kicks. Because he does strike, and but he strike, he's got good range. So if Nelson can get in there and land those counters, whew, I don't even know. It might be a 50-50 fight if as they have those standing exchanges, if Nelson can connect during the exchange. If he can't, he's probably screwed. He'll probably, I would get, the most likely thing, I think, is that he gets knocked out on the feet, even though that doesn't happen very often to him. I mean, Karatanov did it, but it took a lot. Karatanov poured damage onto him before he finally got that. Like, that was a deep, deep. Most guys would have been gone long before that. But, yeah, I think Moldowski gets it done. I think it's going to... Most likely to be a finish, but if it does go the distance, Roy's chances go up a little bit. That experience, that deep waters experience, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ten pro fights is nothing compared to how many times Nelson, older or not, how many times he's he's been in a cage mm-hmm. at the highest level. Like he's seen a lot. He's seen a lot. So it's, it's it, a good it, fight. It, Let me ask you guys about. Um, mm-hmm. The Nemkov Bader fight, do you see it going the distance or do you think we're going to see someone get finished? I think it's going to probably lead to somebody getting finished. Oh, yeah, I agree, Christian. I, 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 I'll say this. I think, I think, I think we're going to, I think Nemkov is going to, I, oh, excuse me, Bader is going to finish Nemkov with strikes on the ground. My prediction, my, my bold, my big bold prediction is that. After about three rounds, uh, I'll say this about Bader. Bader never gets tired. I've never seen ba- really Bader uh, have cardio issues ever in any of his matches, light heavyweight or heavyweight. Um, he's always been... What? Sorry, Tee, go ahead. No, I was just saying that's a good point. That is a good point. And and, uh, that, he had well, issues with that earlier in his career. Yeah, uh, especially... Well the, well, the jury fight was him basically getting pounded off for so long that, it, that, his, that his corner threw in the towel, basically. He couldn't continue on after the first round of being just punished by jury for 10 minutes. So I think that's it's that's one thing that really you can really improve. You can, you can make adjustments in your cardio, and it can get better. But to really improve your cardio is very... It's either you kind of have it or you don't. I It's... It's very a five round a five round five minute fight is very hard to really unless that unless you 
you are you unless you are a champion who can who has done those rounds multiple times, it's very hard to to really adjust to to that pace, to that to that intensity. So I think by round three or four, we're gonna see Nemkov getting tired, and that's when Bader will be able to get a takedown and probably and I think finish him with a ground pound. That's that's my big bull prediction. Uh, third or fourth round. So, Christian, what's your word on that? Uh, you're saying that third or fourth round? Yeah. I think it will either be the second or third, to be honest with you. <laughs> okay. Uh, I mean, you guys took my point now, like that. To be quite honest, man, it is a five-round fight. Anything can happen. Yeah, I think I think we could all agree the later it goes in the fight, probably Bader with more experience fighting five rounds and more proven cardio in deep waters, more experience in deep waters. Oh, yeah, that's more of an advantage. Actually, I'll say this as well. I'll say this as well. One thing I noticed about these no these no fan arena shows, I seem less fighters getting tired. Now, I don't know that's a symptom of the fact that there's less people in the arena, so like maybe yeah. there's just like less body heat and just less of all that. So it's possible that the well, Andrew, if you think about it, the roar of the crowd probably plays a factor to that, you know. Mm-hmm. And without well, yeah, that roar of the crowd, uh-huh, without that adrenaline and that roar of the crowd, you know, you find yourself ways to get bored, but you also find yourself ways to get energized. Mm-hmm. But but uh, Nemkov's Russian, so he doesn't really get excited, or he's not supposed to get excited. Um, got a very calm Fedor-esque mind in his, in his fight style like with Carvalho right he, was, he didn't rush it he hurt him but he didn't get silly he didn't run in with his chin up he ran up with his knees out you know like he wasn't you know but he was tagging Carvalho but then when it did go to the ground he worked to get the optimal position before he tried to lay the, the majority of the damage and then the moment he turned he was going for a choke he didn't have it so he punched and then he snapped the choke with other arm and did it from the other side as Carvalho moved. He was very quick. He's very sort of like present in the moment, just like his mentor. So I don't, I don't think we're going to see Nemkov do anything stupid. And I don't think we're going to see him get tired either. I actually think that uh, he has a slight advantage in that department, even though earlier in his career, because he learned from that. Mm-hmm. And, um, so uh... he's, but, but I should add the caveat that I'm pretty sure like at the end of the Davis fight, there is something to learn from that. But I, I think that because he's he's young and he's still he's entered his prime, but he's just he's still young in his fight career for a heavier fighter these days. He's uh, got the youthful energy, and that might actually play a difference because he's getting better. And Bader's peaking, but like when does Bader start to drop off as he gets out of his mid thirties into his late thirties? Mm-hmm. It's gonna happen. It happens to everyone. No one no one wins against Father Time. So. You know, this could be a, a, the moment, confluence of events where Nemkov has peaked enough to really put it on Bader in a way that maybe Bader hasn't had. Cause has Bader fought anyone who kickboxes as well as Nemkov since Prime Machida? I mean, Rumble isn't a, a technical kickboxer. He's just a, a I was about to say Fedor. I was going to say you can make the argument he, that the best kickboxer he uh, made a face was Fedor. But not forty-one-year-old. Like he, if he fought two thousand five Fedor, he would die. Mm. All these guys would like—they're not even 
you know, I'm not going to get into that. I'm not going to talk anyone down. But fighting 2005 or even 2008, 2009 Fedor is different from 2019 Fedor, 2018 Fedor. It's a different guy. Once he retired after the his old fight, that's a different Fedor. Still elite, still a badass, but he's not, like, lighting people up mm-hmm. the way he did in his youth. Like, I saw, so, I mean, I, there's a qualifier there. Oh, but, uh, um, I would say Nemkov is the smoothest. Like, if you look at the way Nemkov, when when McGeary couldn't stop the low kicks, Nemkov just chewed his leg up until he couldn't fight anymore. Yeah. You know? Probably took a year off his career. But what's beyond, but the, the, you know, I, I think, listen, here's the thing with Ryan Bader. I'm sure Ryan Bader is prepared for that. And here's the thing also, Bader has the takedown skills to grab your leg and just and, and send you flying. Uh, uh, to the uh, laying down the canvas if necessary. So I don't, Lee McGeary doesn't have that. Lee McGeary. No, that's true. That's true. But also, Nemkov is good at getting his leg back. After he kicks, he doesn't leave his leg out there as much as other guys. And that's partly because he's also very good at catching a counter himself. He hit Carvello with some bombs, not Fedor level bombs, but some strong punches, catching and countering low kicks. So he knows what it takes. He knows the angles involved and the spacing involved to do it to someone. So he also knows what to avoid. He's very good. When you watch him, watch him kick the leg. He's very quick to get his leg back behind him. And, uh, I don't remember seeing him switch switch stance as much. So he usually does get it back behind him. He doesn't like step into the other one. But he is capable of charging forward and you know fighting on the move forwards or backwards. I think it's a more competitive fight than it might. Oh, he'll definitely be competitive. Just looking at Vader. He'll definitely be competitive. Just Vader, he's destroying guys with certain attributes, but I don't think he's fought him like Nemkov. I actually think this is his toughest fight for a long time. Definitely in recent years, this is his toughest fight. Davis was another tough fight because stylistically, Davis has the tools to like deny him the wrestling aspect. But Nemkov, Nemkov has that too, or at least he has that early in the fight know of so so well, it's, who's, pretty, it's pretty epic uh, who's your uh, pick for uh, Moldovsky and big country cheat Moldovsky third round KO is my prediction oh that's oh interesting how about you, you know, before I even get oh. going on my pick and I feel kind of zoned out talking about this but if you look at Roy Nelson and the fact that he's on a four or five losing streak you realize that he's basically, I mean, would you say he's past his prime? I mean, he is 44 years old, after all. Oh, yeah. Oh, I agree. He's past his prime, yeah. Even he knows that. Here, here's the thing. And here, it's the way that he's also losing and the way that he's fighting. He clearly doesn't give a shit anymore. Fedor is 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 not is not losing because he's... He, I would argue that past your prime doesn't necessarily even mean. I think it's also a motivation thing. If you're not motivated to fight, if you're if you're kind of just coasting, I think that's also a, can be defined as being past your prime. That's why to me, Fedor still has it because Fedor still has a power, as we saw in the Chael Sonnen fight, to knock you down. Uh, he still, uh, he you know, he still fights like Fedor does. The, is he is he as fast and as explosive? Maybe not, but he still fights Definitely. basically virtually the same way. He hasn't uh, he 
has not, he hasn't done anything to show, listen, you know what, I'm just doing this for a paycheck, I'm still here. Roy Nelson, though, just seems to just not care anymore, if you look at his fights. He just seems to have no motivation at all. Well, I would, I would say, just to be fair to Roy, I think he still cares, he still trains, but he's older and he paces his output, and his style of fighting, you can't really pace your output. You're going to be the guy chasing someone around with bombs. they got to be a lot of bombs. you got to be able to you know, catch them with the second or third one, not just throw one, and when it doesn't work, now you reset, because they can do a lot of work in between those resets. So stylistically, he, maybe it's just experience. He's conserving his energy, but he doesn't fight with the output. I do think he still cares, though. He's a very competitive guy, so I don't want to give him that credit, but he's not as com- competitive at his age as other guys because he can't put the pace Fedor can still, when he fought Rampage, even though Rampage is older, Rampage can throw some hands. And uh, you see Fedor had the output, nice stiff jabs and double jabs, and like, whoa, you know, because you forget how good Fedor is on the on the feet sometimes because the highlight reel has so much of him just throwing people to the ground and beating the shit out of them. Oh, so he really has that well, tech angles and that concept. that It's that Dutch kickboxing and training that he's been involved in so long. But here's what gets me. Almost all the people that Roy Nelson lost to, with the exception of Ben Rothwell and Josh Curry, are all world-class competitors. Andre Alonso, Jeff Monson, Junior Dos Santos, Frank Mir twice, <laughs> Fabricio Verdun, Steve Miocci, Daniel Cormier, Mark Hunt, Alistair Overeem, Josh Barnett, Derek the Black Beast Lewis, Former Bellator heavyweight champ Alexander Volkov, Sergei Karatanov, Matt Mitrion, and Mirko Kokov, even though the Kokov fight, it was, I mean, you were probably at that event, T. Would you say that fight was one-sided? Neither guy really got a lot off, you know. I I was just honored to see Kokov in the flesh, but uh, it wasn't proud, even though the crowd booed him. Well, the part of the crowd I was in, they had they had people wearing the colors. They weren't they weren't booing them. I don't you know, but it's also I sit in the nosebleed, so I don't know what the kind of stuff that picks up on the you know, the studio audio really sounds like when I'm in a live show. I just hear me and the drunkest people around me and then kind of a hum. It takes a lot of booing. Okay, like the booing when they read the decision for Musasi Shlomenko. And more importantly, the booing when they thought they were going to stop the fight. Stop, I think they stopped the fight to look at him or something, look at his eye. Uh-huh. That was easy to hear because everyone in the arena was joining in. Same thing when Karatanov uh, beat Roy Nelson when he was down. And, and people booed because they, cho- they cheered Roy when he came in and booed Sergey. But then and when he needed him, they booed. But then Roy started hamming it up and we booed him. Uh, for happening for overdoing it because like this ain't pro wrestling bruv you still get your time you don't have to do that you don't have to do that but and then when and then when yeah, Sergey knocked when out did, everyone cheered because uh, they were like someone got knocked out you know fans are very ruthless they want to see some action like I've cheered people who knocked out some of my favorite fighters if it's epic you just get caught in the moment you're like oh that was fucking awesome so it's whatever it is I, but to be quite honest at times it's like they don't want to lend a helping hand. They just want to see blood. <laughs> but this is a blood sport after all. <laughs> anyway, right. getting back to the point. Getting back 
to my point. Roy Nelson has lost to a who's who of competitors in his mixed martial arts career, which stretches all the way back, all the way back, mind you, to 2004. Modowski, he's only 28. He's only lost to Amir Ali Akbari in the Rising Heavyweight Grand Prix semifinals back in 2016, ending his four-fight promotion after going three and one. He said that fight should have gone to a third round. Am I thinking of the right fight? I think so. Amir Ali Akbari in the third round, and they were just like, oh, this guy won. I wasn't. In fact, wasn't the. How many rounds was the, the Matt Mitrione Roy Nelson fight? Was that a two round fight? It was, or was three. It, a th- it was three. All yeah. oh, right, and they were gonna do a tiebreaker round if it went if if it. Uh, wait, wait, wait. Uh, T, are you thinking of PFL? PFL's one who does who do who do uh, tiebreak uh, who. Uh... No, I remember thinking the the, the Nelson Mitrione decision was a bit off. It was a majority was decision. There. It was a majority decision uh, loss for uh, uh, Nelson. Yeah, but he wrestled Mitrione. He should have won that fight, I, I thought. I don't think. Uh, I must have lost that fight because we were there and we were kind of like, what? Like, yeah. I don't know about that. I wasn't. But it's, you know, it's one of those things. Judging, it depends what each judge is looking for and how they're feeling that day. Did they have their coffee? You know, if they haven't had their coffee, maybe they're not quite so much like, go for it, go for it. Christian, but I'm gonna, you know, I'm a big, I'm a big country fan. I'm gonna say Nelson by knockout in the second. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I, I, I don't ever necessarily cheer against Roy Nelson, so if he wins, and, you know, credit where it's due. But I don't think he's gonna win. But I'm wrong a lot, so it's interesting. Like I'm, I'm actually the three Fado team fights. I'm picking Fado team in all three, so maybe I'm biased, but or maybe I'm just I have that confidence in the Sambo background. Stylist, I, I mean, but uh, if you ask the greatest fighter of all time, Fedor, what, who's trained in sambo, judo, muay thai, Dutch kickboxing, at the highest level, if you ask him what the best base for MMA is, he says it's sambo. So I listen to him. Teep, you, you said you want to talk about the other fights. Let's talk about Julia Budd and Jesse Miele in the co-main. I think her name is pronounced Miele or something. It's not Miel. I thought it was Jessica Mill. Well, you know I think I'm it now. I'm confusing myself. For, for nickname's sake, it's the Jewel versus the Widowmaker. <laughs> Julia oh, Budd's going to be fighting her first fights in 
since losing to Chris Cyborg, losing the featherweight title to Chris Cyborg, which obviously makes Cyborg the greatest women's mixed martial artist alive. Melee, however, Melee, on the other hand, is, and I'm trying to look at the result, look at what she's been doing, give me a minute, this internet I got is slow, but still, point is, Melee, she's currently on a four-fight winning streak, winning three, winning two of her fights via finish, and so far defeated Talita Nogueira in her only other fight. She was supposed to fight Leslie Smith on the Bellator 241 card, but that bout card got canceled due to COVID-19. So, I just have to ask, do you think that Julia Buzz is going to come in looking for redemption, looking to potentially get another crack at Chris Cyborg, knowing that she's going to probably lose that one too? Yeah. Go ahead. Well, I'd say Julia's definitely going to look to make a statement. And, you know, it's worth noting she was, she won the, you know, she was the featherweight champ and made multiple defenses. So she's a very proud martial artist. And she has a lot of experience. And she, she's going to come in and really look to make a statement. And, uh, you know, she's she should be the favorite in this fight. I mean, she's the, like, Amanda Nunes has done amazing things, including being someone who beat Cyborg other than her debut fight. I mean, that's pretty epic. But if you look historically, like before that part happened, you know, Cyborg was the top women's featherweight. And Julia Budd, for the last however many years, was the number two. And that just, that was a constant. They just weren't, they didn't fight each other. But So like, you know, I'd say Julia should be the favorite. But Neil is coming in off, you know, the win over Toledo Noguera undefeated other than to Julia and Jessica so so it's not like she can't win because uh, Noguera's legit, she's a legit it's not a deep division and they don't have a lot of fights in their careers you know so it's not a, there's not as, many, as much action happening well, Noguera's uh, legit Tifa here, here's the, uh, here's the uh, question I had um, yeah. with Jesse having only one win in Bellator and I'm going to say, in terms of, I don't know what, what, what Bellator's 145 division is, but I'm, getting, I'm going to guess in general, probably like UFC, it's just not that stacked at all. Probably not. Well, here's the thing. At least Bellator has a division. The UFC, all they got is street fighters. Okay. I mean, but here's the thing. I, like, let's be, I think on paper, you can, I think you have a, a big stylistic uh, a mismatch, I'll say. Uh, I mean, what are what are what are Jesse's chances against Bud? Because I think it's fair to say that Bud's probably uh, the best. Uh, or okay, so if we're going, uh, Cyborg is number one, or or you want to tie Cyborg and Amanda Nunez at number one? Sure, go ahead. But then maybe just by proxy of elimination, Julia Bud's gonna always be number two, uh, as long as, as Cyborg is number as, as long as Cyborg's fighting. So is there really any? Is this fight really at all? A fight that makes sense, given that on paper, Julia Bud should probably just walk right through uh, Jesse? Well, it, part of the thing is the top heavy division because you have the two historically dominant women's featherweights in the bracket. You have Julia Bud, who's capable of beating anyone, 
apparently, except the cyborg, and then you have cyborg herself is over here now. So it's like you've got two powerhouses. But one thing that's worth mentioning is, um, I think Je- I think Jesse's thirty five, and I think Julia's thirty seven now. Cyborg's in her like maybe early to mid thirties. I'm not sure precisely. So it is getting to be around the time when things can change, athletes can change, and stuff like that. So like, yes, you'd have Je- um, Julia. Her opponent, the Widowmaker, isn't that much younger. I don't know if, yeah, it's like barely. But things can change, so it's not a given fight. It's not a given to me that as people get old, just like with DC and, and Miocic, if you if you booked the Miocic that DC just fought against, like, you know, 2012 DC, that man's getting murdered. In there. It's not even competitive. You'd be like, you got to find DC someone harder. Moves better. Come on, he's gonna get school. He's gonna jump, jump on his head. But it's different when you get older and older and older. And so things could be fluctuating. It's it varies. Does that make any sense? It varies athlete to athlete. What you're basically saying is the biological clock for these two fighters is ticking. For the top, for the yeah, like it's not a young division. Just like you know, heavyweight. UFC is not a young division right now. You can't really compare it to Pride's Golden Age because how old was Fedor, Big Nog, Karatanov, Overeem, Verdum, uh, Little Nog, you know, at their best. They were in their 20s. They were not in their mid to late 30s. Uh-huh. The best in the world weren't in their mid to late 30s unless you're like an outlier like Randy and Mark Coleman. And very few other guys. Most everyone else got beat the hell up by the young cats. I mean, is that fair to say? Like, if you think back, how many of the old guys back in the day, other than like Coleman at times and, and uh, Randy, how many of the old guys were the top guys? So then, uh, if Jesse wins this fight, I mean, she basically has to get a title shot by beating the yeah. former, uh, even though she would only have two wins of Bellator, basically. She should be fighting, ideally, I would think she should be fighting the winner of Chris Cyborg versus Arlene Blanco, who is the clear number one contender in that bracket, mm-hmm. regardless of whether Bud or, like, if Bud won again, okay, she's already beaten her twice, but the reason she's beaten her twice is Arlene has won other than that. Is um so is Liz Carmouche going to be at featherweight in Bellator teeth? I believe, you know what? Yes, I believe so, because... No, no, I'm sorry, she's going to fight... A, unless something's changed, she was going to fight a flyweight, and she's close with a Limalay, but they're they're hoping they do a tournament that'd be in the opposite bracket, so they would actually fight each other, but in the finals. Okay, gotcha. Is your Katz and Gano also going to be fighting a featherweight in Bellator, or is she going to be fighting a flyweight? Oh, no. No, she's fighting a featherweight, and she's fighting in September, either the 11th or the 12th. They're doing double-barrel shows. Okay, I guess yeah, I... Ju- I just realized she's going to be fighting on September 11th versus Deanna Bennett. So, you know, I, I guess ideally, I, I think that's probably what Bellator is hoping, uh, either for a Julia Budd rematch or the Katzingano match, which you could say could be potentially a competitive fight uh, versus Katzingano. But, um... I, depends on the timing of Cyborg's next fight. Because sometimes they know they're going to fight on a date. They might know the opponent, but they don't announce it until just before. Even if it's shorter notice than a three-month-out, four-month-out booking, but they do know 
like they find out about it a lot of most of the time before we do. They just they're good at keeping a cap on the on the announcements. I gotta give them that credit. So then I'm gonna I'm gonna I'll ask you, Teep. Who do you uh, predict? How do you predict the outcome of this fight? Yeah, I think Julia's gonna make a statement here, but I'm not underestimating her opponent because she would have got her ass kicked if she wasn't good. Nogueira would have beat her up. I mean, Nogueira was at the. ADCC, the the she made it to the finals and lost to Gabby. I think it was in that was in 2017. But she lost to Gabby Garcia, who has like you know probably 80 pounds on her. But uh, she's legit. She's got a lot of skills. Good fighter. So I think it's a, it's a live fight. It's not, but I'd say like probably 70 30 favoring Julia. How about you, uh, Christian? Um, as far as what I have to think. I mean, it's hard to pick because both of them, well, actually, no. It's not that hard to pick because Jewel, Julia Bud, she, ah, damn it. It's hard for me to wrap my fucking brain about this. When it comes to Julia Bud, her only three losses were to three of the greatest fighters of all time. Cyborg and... Nunes now, well, actually, Nunes when she was just starting out, and of course, Ronda Rousey. But if you think about her career, if you think about, you know, all that she's done throughout her career, obviously, be the Bellator for featherweight champion, but to lose to those three, it basically makes her one of the greatest fighters of all time in just, you know, getting her ass handed to her by three iconic fighters and oh by the way beating Marla Coonan to become the Bellator featherweight champion as well mm-hmm. so I think that Miss Widowmaker Jessie Melee she's probably gonna take her to uh, I mean she's probably gonna take her to the distance but I do think that it's going to be a win for Julia Budd. And also, if Arlene Blanco somehow upsets her cyborg and they end up having a third fight between them, you know, that could be something fun. Well, if, if Arlene was coming up... But I'm just saying that if it's bound to happen that Bud gets a third fight with Blinko, and if Blinko upsets Cyborg, not saying it will happen, but if it happens, I think that I think Julia Bud easily wins this. I see nothing that uh, Jesse Miele or Miele, however it's pronounced, does not. I don't think she has anything on Julia Bud. Hey, listen, if you're going to a split decision with Talita Nogueira, that I mean, I don't, I don't see you going far. I don't think uh, I don't see this going beyond the first round against Julia Bud at all. Easy win for Julia. Yeah, um, yeah you might be right, guys. Let me just add, uh, Arlene Angerfist has some real fists. That's a really good fight with Cyborg. People are sleeping on that matchup. That's actually a good stylistic matchup for Arlene because she can throw. She's got a good jab. She's got one of the best jabs of all the women in the sport in in MMA. She's got a real jab. Well, of course, Blinko has some good fists. She's a former world boxing champion. Yeah, she's got legit technique, and 
she's been. I like watching her fight, man. She throws hands. Julia, stylistically, Julia has some things as well as some size that like it's difficult for her. But other than that, man, she she gets it on. And the fight with Smith was like basically who's the who's the next in line. And she's the next in line. So I do hope that she gets the opportunity. So that's a good fight for Cyborg, and that's actually other than maybe a bug rematch. I mean, stylistically. Arlene is better suited to fight Cyborg than Julia is, even though maybe if they each fought everyone, Julia would beat more of everyone else. Stylistically, yeah. Because Cyborg beat Julia with fast hands when Julia was throwing the teep and stamp kicks. And Cyborg was coming around with the looping flurries and, and mixing it in and, and just looping around those linear strikes. But, but Arlene's a little better at like circling out and around and popping that jab and mixing in the, the other punch he's got. So, yeah, I look forward to that fight. That fight, I maybe favors, favors Cyborg 60-40. Not, not a blowout like people think. Maybe 60-40. So then we got uh, the main event, uh, not the main event, the opening of the main card, I meant to say. Uh, you're, the, I, I, T, you're the biggest fan of this guy. I hear you talk about him so much. Comparatively to other other MMA fans who don't seem to talk about it a lot, John Salter taking on Andrew Capel, who obviously Capel most famous for retiring King Mo into going from MMA to professional wrestling for MLW. Yeah, he was like, "You want to catch my kick?" Bink. That was beautiful. Credit where it's due. That one does not simply clock King Mo, but he caught him. You know, it was like Bandeus when he got uh, Franz Malambo. Caught the kick and he gave him the double tap. Bink, bink. <laughs> oh, yeah. Shout out to Rob Black. Bink. He gave him the double tap. But like, so doing that—that that is, that's like the next level. That's like, um, you know, that's like in boxing, like like jabbing, and then when they counter, you counter off the counter immediately. Well, it's just No, it's like it's So that was some really good performance from Capel. Well, you see, it's funny because. Pat Capel faced off against a King Mo who was fresh off of Sengoku, just getting into Strike Force, kicking everybody's ass. Then it would be Capel on the opposite end of that aspect. But he was beaten down on a, I guess, I wouldn't say washed up King Mo because he does have his views. But. I would say he beat up a King Mo who knew his MMA career was done. Because he's had issues dating all the way back to his strike force days. Probably ever since the Lorenz Larkin fight, if not the Musasi fight. Oh man, he had he had a very powerful career. His C V is pretty incredible. Like the level that he's fought at mm-hmm. when I lost that is very high. You know, so he's always great. Apparently, he's a great coach. And, you know, almost to the point of a mentor to certain fighters. Like, he's, he's a solid dude. So, a lot of credit to him. And, yeah, he was faded. He was past his prime. He was a broken. You know what it is? King Mo still has the skills, but he has broke. He was broken body at that age. It's like Fedor. Fedor's got who knows how many lingering injuries. Because there's shit you never see him do that he used to do. That you never see him do. There's judo throws. Like throwing the overhand, and then instead of dragging the rear leg to ground his weight, he, he steps over behind the opponent's rear leg, and then body lock throws like he did to Noguera. He did it. He did a variation of that to uh, Brett Rogers. Uh, you know, like he, when he threw 
Chael, there was a little less of the, the technique that he might be compensating for something, some kind of movement that it really hurts to do. So, I mean, Fedor's broken body, but he's still the greatest fighter of all time. He's just in that body, man. He's in a 40-something-year-old body that's been through wars. But the point so, is, right. when it comes down to Andrew Capel versus King Mo, which was basically not like past torch. He was just saying, all right, fuck this shit, I'm out. Uh, Teep, Teep, tell us about John Salter. As far as Andrew Capello goes, and before y'all get to John Salter, y'all do realize that Capello is on a five-fight winning streak, with four of his five finishes, with four of his five victories being by a first-round finish, three rear-naked chokes, and obviously the King Mo knockout. Do y'all think that he has what it takes to compete against somebody like John Salter? Um, well, at least on paper, you've got to give the man his credit. You know, Five Fight Street, he lost, his last loss was like September 2016. But he's won seven of his last eight fights. So his record, you know, he's, he's 15 and 6, but he's 7 and 1 in his last eight. And five of those wins are all in a row. So he's coming in with a lot of momentum. This is a good fight. This is, um, he's about it. He's fun to watch. He's about it. You know, I, I, Probably King Mo's the only guy in the world who doesn't appreciate the highlight he gave us. Yeah. You know, that was pretty. That was pretty fucking cool, man. Because he went stiff standing up. He did like the robot fall, like you know, error, error, error. Anyway, not making fun of the man, just the moment. But uh, yeah, Capel's definitely got a chance. Because if, if you remember the John Salter Van Steenis fight, Van Steenis had landed some stuff, bing, bang, bing, on the feet. Salter was wobbled, but he was able to go to that wrestling. Now, the difference is, Van Steenis is a little wild, and he was overthrowing some of his punches. His weight, he was giving too much of his weight. Someone like Salter, you can't do that. You're going to end up on your back, or you're going to end up stuffed into the cage. All kinds of horrible things can happen. So, But Capel moves pretty tight, so I think um, I think stylistically he has a better shot against Salter than Van Steenis did, and Van Steenis did have moments. He overcommitted, you know, he's like, oh, it's, it's wartime when you hurt him, instead of being, like, methodical about it, it's just you. So, uh, but, uh, I mean, what do you guys, what are you guys, before I talk about Salter, what are your initial impressions on how this will go? Um, Andrew, you want to take that? Oh, sorry, I was going to let you go first, Christian. Christian, definitely. This is a f- on paper, Salter should have every advantage uh, for a quick finish over Capel. Um, 
it's 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 kind of this kind of uh is reminiscent of the Zach Freeman Aaron Pico fight, where I guess they were expecting Pico to go through uh Freeman, but then uh Freeman obviously uh beat uh, Pico, and then as punishment, uh they put uh who did they put Freeman up against and uh, got destroyed and was it um. Yeah, Sado. Sado I saw that live. That was great. Yeah, exactly. So this feels it feels like they wanted King Mo to go out on a win and Capel ruined that, so now they're putting up him against Sean Salter as like punishment. Yeah, I I guess you could I don't know I don't know if it benefits them to to punish it, but certainly when you come off a win over some of their talent, they're not gonna give you squash matches, so they either want you to win or lose at a high level. Usually there's I, Timing and stuff, contracts. But usually, yeah, like, if you do something big, whether you're somebody or nobody, your next fight's going to be a tough one. Yeah, so I look think... At, look I, at the guy fighting Amazon. I mean, he had a, he has a resume. I think he was an undefeated amateur, like 8-0 or something. He's a Leminger. He's 11-1 as a pro. I forget his, his win streak, but he's coming off a really good performance over... Um, shit. Jake Smith? Jake Smith. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, he looked really good now, like... Later, he's yeah. fighting Amazon. He's fighting the number three guy. So you talk about that. Why is Amazon on the prelims? Because for you figure that this is a guy that 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 Bellator be behind and wants to feature prominently. To get him on the card, get him fighting, get him busy. They want. They took. They said they were going to stack up these cards, and so we've seen like some really. They've had some great prelims in the past, but they're more predictably awesome now. As as someone who follows closely, there's a lot less. Here's guys from local gyms who are just auditioning to be in Bellator. Right now, it's like here are the here's mostly the exclusive roster. I think there's oh. maybe like one or two fighters on this card. Maybe one of the fights are non-exclusive. But most of these athletes are on the roster. They're not auditioning. They're in the game. You know what? You know? That reminds me that one fight you mentioned that's non-exclusive: John De Jesus versus Ladislav Parochenko. I mean, no, it's Parochenko. exclusive. It's the other one. It's the, uh... Oh, shit. Hold on a second. Lucas, Lucas Brennan versus Will Smith. I, I don't think either of them are on the exclusive. I think they're... But I'm, I could be wrong. Oh, Lord. And you know what? Speaking of... I mean, what are your thoughts about this Will Smith guy? He's 3-1... and one. We haven't really seen him compete. He's going up against 2-0 Lucas Brennan. I mean... Well, Tristan, Christian, I got to correct you. It's, his name is Ill Will Smith. Okay. <laughs> Ill Will Smith versus Lucas the Skywalker Brennan. I forgot. We're going by nicknames. And just to not confuse people. But what do you think are Ill Will Smith's chances against Lucas Brennan? I have no opinion on that fight. I'll watch and enjoy it, but I have no opinion on it. I don't know. It, I've spent too too much time in between work looking up all the other fights. I ran out of time, and that's the one I'm pretty sure they're non-exclusive. But I think all these other ones, at least from what I'm looking, are all unless Don unless John De Jesus is is just brought in. But uh, Parachenko, I think I remember them. That was an exclusive contract. They announced that uh, as a as a big deal. Boy, he's sixteen and one. He hasn't fought the highest level of competition, but he's sixteen and one. 
Uh-huh. So, you know, you take a guy like that, and if he gets, okay, so if he beats the Jesus, which I imagine they're expecting him to give him a good test, and if he gets through that, you know, if they sign him for, say, four to six fights, then by the end of that run, you're going to see one or two really hard fights. Exactly, and to prove your point right, John Platano de Jesus, he's just being bought in to lose. This is Bellator debut. Yeah, yeah, because they, they, they test people, but it's also an opportunity for these other guys because people have come in and beat the hot shit, and then they get a contract. Like, you know, uh, I know a couple fighters who fought non-exclusively in Bellator and won. You don't necessarily win and automatically get an exclusive contract, but it's it's an opportunity. I think one of the guys was on a multi, multi-fight non-exclusive. They haggled out three fights, I think, but they were options. They were options. They didn't have to give all three. He could fight elsewhere. So they do that because they talent mine constantly. That's how Strikeforce, with a tiny budget compared to the UFC and a small roster, produced. Not produced because the athletes did the work, but that's how they mined so much great talent. Because they go deep into the streets. They don't fuck around. When they last time they went to Hawaii, I think it was the last time they. They had like tryout, open tryouts, and they had to cap it at I think like 250 martial artists. You know, a few of those people, they either keep track of them now or they got onto the. What I hope happens in the Will Smith Lucas Brennan fight. I hope that Will Smith knocks uh, knocks down Lucas Brennan, and then he walks up to him, and right before he gives a knockout punch to Lucas Brennan on the ground, he screams, "Welcome to Earth." Um, he, uh, you mean he interviews them, the fighters, you mean? Yeah. It seems totally random, yeah, but, like, the Clint's, the Chris Lencioni Agazarm fight, I think they were planning to interview Agazarm, that they're, they're hoping that Agazarm was gonna get that win, but then, I guess, uh, I guess, uh, Lencioni, uh, John McCarthy was already in the, in the cage, so he's just like, eh, fuck it, I'll, I'll interview him. Because they only interview, the, I, I, from what I recall, um, and the, yeah, uh, the two shows that they that they've done so far, I don't remember anybody besides Chris Lencioni in the prelims being interviewed, no matter what the finish was. Yeah, I don't know. I usually go. I usually try to go for the early part of the card. I try to go on a delay. I wait, you know, twenty minutes, and I fast forward through everything that isn't fighting. And then later, I might rewatch the whole thing. But in the, you know, I try to stay on a delay so I don't see anything but the fights the night of, do other stuff in between. Any other? So coming out the mouth of Jay Glazer. I mean, I like those guys, and like if I'm in the right mood, I'll watch the whole thing. But but a lot of times I'm doing other stuff in between. I'm I'm married, so I got you know I can't just be like nothing but fights tonight, fellas. Before we go, uh, Teep, any other uh, are there any any other things you want to say about the prelims that stick out? Yeah, real real quick, let me circle back just and I'll keep it brief talk about Salter. Salter was a NAIA, is that, is that the acronym? National Champ Wrestler, I call him. So he's an NAIA National Champion, right? Hello? Teep? Oh, did we lose Teep? Uh, but no, Salter, you are right about uh, Christian. Uh, uh, you are right about Salter, Christian. I meant to say. Yeah, he is an NIA. 
Um, he's an NIA uh, guy. NIA. NIA. Yeah. Yeah. It's early in the morning. I'm gonna I'm gonna fuck up things when it's this early. Um, oh, Teeth, did we get you back? No, he's on hold. It seems. <laughs> Money, I think the two most interesting fight on the pre the two most interesting fights on the prelims to me are gonna be Adam Bomb Piccolati versus Sydney Outlaw in the lightweight division because of course Sydney Outlaw just recently lost to Michael Chandler late last year and Piccolati is looking to bounce back himself. And you got Eric El Goyito Perez versus Josh the Gentleman Hill, WSOF veteran. Hill versus UFC veteran Pelez, who's looking for his first Bellator win. So I just have to ask, what fights on the prelim do you find interesting? Truly, only the the Amazov fight because I think it's I th- I find it compelling that this guy's twenty three and zero, and I'm assuming that Bellator wants to do things with him, and I I think that's the type of fight where. I think that's where you gotta have it as a main. I don't, it's not gonna be the main event on the uh, prelims. I don't even think it's the co-main. Well, it's not, not gonna be the featured prelim. You mean? There's yeah. No main event when it but comes I, to I feel like with a guy like with that record, you want to feature him prominently. You want you want you want to give you want to kind of do a jury that USC did a jury, kind of give him a featured spot on the prelims. Uh, oh, oh, like a top five opponent. Well, no, not a top five opponent. More like a top fifteen opponent. Yeah, or even just like you know, yeah, because the the prelims that people remember are the ones that have the crazy finishes or that are like two or three down from the main. Um, but exactly. I I don't not really interested in, P- in Piccolotti or um, Piccolotti uh, and, and and Outlaw. Um, yeah, Amazon is the guy who I'm most interested in, especially because that, uh, uh, the, in terms of the fight itself versus Leminger, I think Leminger is a tough fight, and it's a it's a fight that I think definitely whoever wins should be featured next on a, on a main on a, on the main portion of a card. Understood. Ah, great, Teeth, you're back. Yeah, sorry I dropped out on you, fellas. My apologies. Okay. Well, you were saying about John Salter? I don't know. How, how far did I get before he cut off? Well, actually, you were talking about the fact that he was an NAIA-level wrestler. Okay, so national champ in that, in that whatever circle of schools that involves BJJ Black Belt. It's basically a bunch of small colleges barely anybody has ever heard of. <laughs> oh, I see. But uh, he's in his fights, he's shown can wrestle. He's a southpaw striker, good power, and uh, not afraid to kick to the head and can submit people even if they take him down. He's like very tricky and just good positional awareness and uh, should have the advantage in that fight. I'll just I'll just leave it at that. Salter's a badass dude and all but one of his career fights, win or lose, did not go to decision. His only decision was against Van Stienis, and he's a fucking... It's go time when Salter fights and it's a tough fight for home slice to fight Salter stylistically. I'll just put it that way. So, uh-huh. are, there any, so are there any other of the fights on this? To, um, have we talked? Did we talk at all about the younger Togar brother? Oh, 
Well, actually, no, but we just have to ask you. I mean, yeah, you're probably interested in Vladimir Tokov versus Chris Gonzalez, but what other fights on the prelims are you most interested in? All right, so so for me, the Lanskinsman Jr. and Shane Crushin, that's that's like a good fight. I'll watch it, but it's, I'm not invested. Uh, Pavchenko, Jesus, again, I'll watch. I'm not really like invested in it at all. Yaroslav Amazov, who's 23 and 0, he's on the longest purely professional streak in the company because Pat Patchy Mix has a longer streak, and AJ McKee I think is close factor in the amateur wins but anyway um and then laminger who's 11-1 pro i think he was he's 5-0 amateur and he's coming off a, a win a few weeks ago and did look great and i think we touched on that briefly but um i, I you know this this is a fight i'm really interested in because if laminger wins this he's like now top three or four in the bracket he went from zero to top three or four in the bracket and the, and the, the hop up was through Jake Smith, good fighter, but not like the top of the bracket. But if you beat one of the absolute cream, cream of the crop, I mean, what you guys think about that? Would you like if he could beat Amazon? Because like, does MVP have MVP has a, MVP has a win over Daily, but the, you know, does well, I was telling Daily be more than a win over Amazon. I was telling Christian that at least whoever wins between those two should at least get a spot on, on the main card next. I don't know about opponent, but. Whoever wins between Amazov and Leminger should be main card, uh, main card fu- uh, featured on the next uh, whenever they get booked for their next fight. Yeah. Well, didn't Amazov and Ruth headline right? Did they? Hmm. I can't. It was my headline. It was my main event. I'm pretty sure that was the main event. Yeah, Ruth Amazov. So, but like, so that's why you can sort of interpret this as a not a stay busy fight because it's a tough opponent, but it's like interpreted as a legit fight. Yeah, it's a huge opportunity for Leminger. This would be a meteoric rise at welterweight to beat one of the absolute best guys, and you know, like, no, he's not twenty three and zero. I mean, he's got like an early Khabib career record. A lot of guys with no experience, and then he's like eighteen and zero, and they may be having their second fight. But his last, you know, he's probably had six, at least six hard fights, and he won all of those, too. So, you know, yeah. so there's a caveat there, like, with a lot of records. It's like a lot of boxing records. But, oh, this guy's 22-0. and 0. And then you'd be like, okay, well, how many guys has he fought that had winning records or that had more than two pro fights? Or, not only or that, how many guys that he fought are actually legit, not just taxi drivers? Right. Usually you can look at the opponent and then you look at who those opponents' best wins are to see what kind of to interpret the record. Uh, that's the way I do it. Like you're like, okay, so he beat this guy who's eighteen and zero. But if then you look at go one step further and look at that guy and see who he beat to get to that eighteen and zero, and then you get a little more of a sense. It's still impressive to beat a bunch of guys compared to not beating a bunch of guys. But if we're talking about what are the best win streaks? Like, I have Amazon ranked below Larkin at welterweight. Would you guys agree with that? I think so. Larkin has better wins, right, in the streak. And he has a real streak, so it's not it's not like he's coming off a loss trying to be better than a streak. He's He's got his own. True, true. That he does. That he does. Andrew, your thoughts? 
Oh, uh, yeah, I definitely would put Larkin above Amazov. That's without question. Just, uh... I have Amazov over MVP. I do, at least. And I have Fitz behind MVP. I mean, here's the MVP does have the win over Daly. Um, he does have that. I know that was a while ago. Um... Oh, that's a that's a, I sat through that fight. I suffered. I paid a t- ticket price for that fight. Actually, it was a good card. I, I can't complain. That was Loretta's debut. She's she's on her on track to become a big star. If she keeps winning. Uh, but uh, yeah. Any last minute thoughts, Teep? Uh, as well as how can uh how can people watch this show? So unless I'm mistaken, so this is on Paramount. In the U.S., it's on Sky in the U.K. Live. I think they do Virgin or something. And no, I forget. They've got a couple of things. It's easily searched online. They have it on their website, Bellator.com. But and if it follows their earlier pattern, the prelims are streamed on YouTube, and then the whole event is is simulcast on the zone. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I watch it on DAZN. I watch the pre- actually if they have the prelims on YouTube, I usually watch on that. It's easier to scroll them by ten seconds instead of thirty. But uh, yeah, but it's on DAZN and uh, replay on DAZN, and then like I'm not sure how long it stays up. Maybe three or four days after the fights, the full event isn't replayed on DAZN, but then the select fights still are. And they're changing up all the time. They switch up how they. It's a good service. I know they're not. It's not going to be forever, because of the Viacom CBS merger. They're going to have some different broadcast things going on at the end of the contract. But it's been good. I've enjoyed it. Uh, and uh, Teep, where, where can people find out about Bellator and all that stuff? Where can they follow you? The best way to follow what's going on Bellator is if you're on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, is just follow their account because they have they put out a lot of media and they. Retweet and share the key media that relates to them. Following them on Twitter is probably the best. But the either best way, way the social media handles are at Bellator MMA, right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Pretty sure that's the deal. And how can folks follow you again? Uh, Teep to the Junk. Teep to the Junk. And on Reddit, it's got like a couple little dashes on either side of it. Because uh, I forgot my password years ago. <laughs> hey, real quick, just a 20-second preview. Piccolotti from AKA's Piccolotti, and I think Sydney Outlaw trains. Is it ATT? Yeah, ATT. I think he might. Yeah, so it's it's AKA versus ATT. Piccolotti versus Outlaw. It's the you know the the wrestler, or he's not strictly a wrestler. But you know what I mean? The submission guy. Versus powerful striker who trains around the wrestlers and submission guys. Who you got in this fight? I got Piccolotti. I'm gonna say Outlaw. I, I you know I, his game plan against uh, against uh, Chandler what, what looked like it would have worked well had he gotten knocked not knocked out within the first two minutes. Um, and I've seen his other fights as well. Uh, he does. Uh, he is a. Uh, yeah, he is a, a an under the radar fighter, in my personal opinion, uh, Sydney Outlaw. Yeah, short notice versus Chandler was too much. Credit to him for taking the. I mean, obviously it's a big opportunity, but that's a hard fight 
for a step up fight to step all the way up to someone on Michael Chandler's level. And not to mention fighting the world famous Saitama Super Arena too. And that probably yeah. must be eye opener. What a memory he must have taken home from that. Well, right right up until the KO. Exactly. Exactly. The thing is, he's 28. He's he's coming into his prime. You know, Piccolotti's only 31. It's not like he's old, and he's not old in fight years either. I mean, they, Piccolotti's had 15 fights. Outlaws had 18. You know, so they're they're both like sort of young in fight years, and they're they're in their primes or coming into their primes. So, I like this fight a lot. I think it's going to be some fireworks. I think they're gonna we're gonna have some we're gonna see some grappling and some striking and I'm not sure who's gonna win. But I'm invested in the fight and I love gym versus gym stuff when athletes who are in approximately the same sort of status from major gyms, when they collide I always pay a little extra attention. Especially AKA, I love that you know, they've had so, so many of my favorite fighters over the years. Mm. DC, Rock Salt, Kung Lee shit. So, uh, uh, Christian, I'm going to... Oh, Christian, I'm going to... Too many fighters to name. <laughs> Kane, is, those are probably the main ones. I mean, they they were among my top ten favorites ever, probably. Or, or close to, You know, Fedor, Nick Diaz, Krokop, and then the guys from AKA. That's largely, like, my favorites ever. Mm-hmm. So, I'm Christian. I'm gonna send off the uh, the signatures, uh, signature sign offs to you, uh, whenever you're ready. Okay, might as well go ahead and get them out the way. If you want to follow us on Twitter, like I said, you can do so at ChrisGary92, at Avenger1, at We Are Rising Pod, W E A R E R I Z I N P O D I L O N Word. Bless you, T. You want to follow Bellator MMA? You can do so on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube at Bellator MMA. And oh, by the way, you can check out our podcast anytime you want. We're on YouTube, Twitter, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Podbean, or wherever you get your podcast. Just feel free to check us out. But other than that, we had our fun, but it's about that time. So as the great Lenny Hart always likes to say, whenever she ends her, no, where? Blah. See, I can't even get my own damn, I can't even get my own damn exit out. But still, for us and for all of you, we thank you for listening to the We Are Rising podcast. Safe, drive carefully, take care of others, and vice versa. And as the great Lenny Hart always likes to say, and with that, we must bid y'all adieu. Thanks for being with us. Peace out. Take care, everybody.